Amen. Well, this evening, we're going to start a new series um, called Overcoming Identity Theft. How many of you all know you talk about in the world today that people are, you know, one of the, one of the biggest crimes that goes on in the world today is uh, identity theft. You know, you want to do a little online shopping, uh, someone get your credit card information, somebody get a little bit of this, somebody get a little bit of that, and the next thing you know, I don't know if any of you all have ever had, you know, been victim of it, but I know Pastor Shine and I one time we went to um, we went to uh, Virginia one time with a with a pastor of ours in West Virginia, Pastor Huffman. And while we were in Virginia, somehow somebody got a hold of my debit card uh, information, and they bought some stuff, and we had to go dispute that at the bank. and And it's not a pleasant experience if you ever had identity theft. Uh, but they say, but it's becoming so rampant in the country. That there's businesses like, you know, LifeLock. I'm a subscriber to LifeLock. I'm like, okay, you burned me once, five bucks a month to keep my, you know, keep my credit guarded. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But, you know, the, the, it's such a problem that there's companies popping up to protect your identity. Well, you know what? Just as important as it is, I mean, as you think about how important it is that people want to, there's a market for guarding your identity, guarding your financial security. You know, you don't want anyone being able to ruin your credit because if you go to buy a house, you go to buy a car, you go to make any major purchases, you want to have a good credit score, right? I mean, and so people want to protect that. But as bad as identity theft is in, is in the natural, the Bible teaches us that a long time ago, in the beginning, back in the Garden of Eden, there was actually the, that was the first case of identity theft was perpetrated, and that was when Satan tempted Eve and Adam and got them to doubt God's word and who God was, and actually he stole their identities. You know, religion, and we try not to be real religious around here. We believe the Bible, right? And we try not to get religious about stuff. But, um, you know, the Bible has a, has a lot to say about uh, the importance of, of your identity. Religion will give you a warped perception of yourself. Some of you may have grew up in churches. I know the church that I grew up in was a, a very traditional denominational church. You know, and we'd see, you know, sing songs, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you would just, religion will tell you, you're just little, you're a worm, you're not good, you know, you're just lucky that God just does you know, get fed up with you and beat you in the head like a baby seal and throw your carcass over in the dump someplace, right, amen? Y'all can follow, you. amen, you know what I'm talking about, right, and you know, Pastor Brian likes painting those vivid pictures that stick with you, you know? You know, a little white furry baby seal with blood splattered all over the place, right, you know, we've got someone from Alaska that they, you know, uh, visiting this evening. But, you know, that God, you know, that God esteemed you lowly. But you need to understand that God said, and you know this, I've said this before, if a person thinks more highly of their self than what they should, what do we call that? High self-esteem, right? No. Pride. It's not a trick question. If you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, we call it pride. Well, anyway... What do we call it if someone thinks less of their self than what God says about them? It's pride also. Jimmy, could you see if we've got some tape? Brother Jimmy, could you help me out here? It's called, it's pride. Now, some of you might be going, now, Pastor Brian, how do you get that that's pride? Well, it's, it's either one of two things. It's ignorance. And you understand this? Ignorance is not stupidity. If somebody ever tells you, man, you're just ignorant, 
If you're really ignorant, don't be ashamed of it. Because if you don't know something, you just don't know something, right? Ignorant just means ignorant just means you're unaware of something. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. Ignorant just means you're unaware of certain facts, right? I mean, if you're if you're ignorant, you just didn't know something. That's the way something was. But stu- but stupidity is you knew it was a certain way and you went ahead and did it anyway, right? Well, they say you can't fix stupid. <laughs> you can, you can you can fix ignorant, but you can't fix stupid. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, so if someone doesn't know who they are in Christ, and you don't and you don't know your identity, it's it's a possibility that it's ignorance, and you've never been taught right. Well, then, then the other possibility might be that you've heard the word, and you've rejected what the word says, and you say, no, 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 I know me. I'm just an old worm. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace is what I am. And so and you understand that why it's so important to know who God says you are. Because this is the thing. You need to, we need to realize something real quick. You know, uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, telling off myself. You know, back, at, back in the 90s, you know, there was, there was, a, uh, there was a wrestler. I, I always enjoyed watching, you know, professional choreographed wrestling. Maybe when I was a kid growing up. And there was a wrestler. Yeah, and he said, you know, and, uh, you know, the rock, you know, he is, he is, you know, well, what do you think? And, and then he'd hold the microphone over and somebody go, well, I think, and before they could say anything, he pulled back and said, it doesn't matter what you think, you know, shut up and know your role, right? Right? Okay, well, this is the thing. When it comes to knowing who you are and what your identity is, in one way, it does matter because as a man, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. But the other way, the other th- in another way, it doesn't matter because the Bible says in Second, I believe Second Corinthians, it says that we are to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. In other words, you police your thoughts because the thoughts that you fail to take captive will take you captive. Amen? Because every action, I've said this before, every action that you do, it, the, the, there is thought precedes action. Now, I've said this, it doesn't always mean intelligent thought, but thought always precedes action. The thought, you know, before you pick up something and eat it, you, the thought comes to your mind, that looks good, I want to eat it, and then you pick it up. Or, you want a Danish, right? <laughs> you want a Danish. Okay? So, you understand? So, you need to think right. Because I'm going to give you an example, and we're going to start looking at some scripture here. The children of Israel, when they escaped, when, the, the, when God delivered them from Egypt, and you understand Egypt is a type of sin, the children of Israel are a type and shadow of the church, and that's you if you're born again. You're a part of the church, and they, and they were delivered and brought into the land of Canaan, and right on the verge of entering into it, they sent spies in to spy out the land. And remember this, the same God that destroyed the power, that broke the power of Egypt, the same God that split the Red Sea and took them across, the same God that fed them bread and quail and water in the wilderness said, I'll give you the land, take it. You're, you're well able. So you know the story, hopefully you know the story. The twelve spies went in, Joshua and Caleb come back. They were the only two that said, man, we're well able to take it. My God, the land is just as good as God said that it was. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Man, and that just means it was a land of abundant provision. And they said, man, let's go take it. God said we could have it. Let's go take it. 
And the other ten went, whoa, wait a minute there, Caleb. Wait a minute there, Josh. Hold up, put the brakes on. We went there, there's giants in the land. And we saw them, and it's real interesting. Go back and read the story. It says, and we were in, uh, we were in our sight to them as grasshoppers. It didn't even say that the other people saw them as grasshoppers. It said that they, when they saw those giants, they thought, man, we're grasshoppers in their sight. Didn't say the people said, but the people saw them as grasshoppers. Because if you'll read the rest of the story, I like that Paul Harvey. I mean, you read, heard Paul Harvey. The rest of the story was that after the 40-year hiking trip around the wilderness, when Joshua led the people in, they sent spies again to the city of Jericho. And remember Rahab the harlot when they went to Rahab's house? And, uh, and she said, man, we've heard about y'all. Man, the people's heart are melting like wax for fear. This is 40 years later. I don't know about you. I wouldn't have been near scared 40 years later. I've been thinking, man, look at them dorks. They've been walking around the desert for 40 years. They, ain't, they need a compass. But they still remembered what God did. The, the people of Jericho remembered what happened 40 years ago. Man, that's the people that belonged to that God that laid waste to Egypt. That's the people that their God opened up the sea and it stood up like a wall on both sides. And they came through and they were scared to death. Man, he destroyed Egypt, and we ain't near as strong as Egypt. We dead meat, y'all. But the people, but the people, the children of Israel, what kept them from walking into the promised land? And you understand, the promised land is not a type and shadow of heaven. It is not a type and shadow. For years, people heard, well, you know, it's a type and shadow of heaven. No, it wasn't because there's no walled cities and giants to fight in heaven. Right? It is a it is a type and shadow of the life of the believer on the earth. And so, but what kept them from walking in the fullness of God was they had, you know, you could say it was an identity crisis or they had become victims of identity theft. They had let the enemy talk them out of the fact, because you understand this, that Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, remember the story, Jacob wrestled with an angel, right, of the Lord, and the next day, they wrestled all night with him, and the angel said, no longer is your name Jacob, and Jacob actually meant supplanter, sneaky dude. You're no longer Mr. Sneak, but your name is Israel, 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 and it means Prince of God. He said, you're not even going to call yourself the same name anymore. You're not Jacob anymore. God's got a new name for you, Jacob. You're not the supplanter. You used to be that person. You've wrestled with God. There's been a change that's taken place. And now you're no longer that supplanter guy. You've got to change your identity. Amen. Get in witness protection plan. They're going to change your name, going to change your identity, and the enemy don't even know who to look for anymore. And if he did, you're strong enough to whoop him now. But he said, your name is Israel. These were the children of the prince of God. And they went, and, they, and because they had allowed themselves to become victims of identity theft, it prevented them from being able to enter in and walk in the blessing that God said, it's yours, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have to do something to get it. I'm making it. You understand that the Bible, there are so many examples of it. God will make provision, but sometimes you still got to put your hand to it to obtain it. Adam and Eve in the garden. All they needed there, to, all the food they ever needed to eat was there. They could have just walked around going, 
Wow, look at that fruit. That's pretty good. Man, I'm hungry. I wonder what my belly's making that noise for. Oh, well, yeah, look at the pretty fruit. Oh, and fell over dead and starved to death. Why? Because the provision was there, but they still had to do something to reach out and obtain that provision that God made available. Well, how many of you all know as believers, there the Bible talks about all the provision that God has made for you for spirit, for soul, for body, all the provision that God's made available, but you still have to put, put something out there to obtain it. What do we obtain that, the promises with? Faith and patience. Faith and patience. And so the children of Israel, the promise was there. The promise was there. God said it's yours. I want to give it to you. But they, they got in doubt and unbelief. And because they did not know who they were, because their, a, a revelation of their, their identity had been stolen, they did, they did not believe that they could reach out and they could obtain the, the blessing and the promise that God gave them. And so we want to make sure that as believers, now if we bring that up to the modern day, that we are believers in the church, that God has made promises to us. God has said, this is who you are, Jacob. Don't go, don't, you're not Jacob anymore. You're not who you used to be. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You used to be an old sinner. You got saved by grace. And the Bible says that, that you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You became something new. The stuff on the outside might still look the same, but the Spirit became something new. And if, if you don't have a realization of that, we'll find ourselves falling into the same trap that the children of Israel fell into and other people in the Bible. You don't know who you are and you will never walk in the full, you'll never obtain the full blessings that God has for your life if you don't get, begin to get a healthy and biblical and scriptural revelation of who you are and who God intends for you to be. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis uh, chapter 1 real quick. <clears throat> and... I feel like that it's absolutely necessary. Some this is stuff that is not new to some of you. Some of it is, but this is the thing. We want to make sure when we're introducing this subject, we want to put it in the correct perspective. All right. We want to get the groundwork laid first. We want to talk about just real quickly the original intent. Genesis chapter one verse twenty six. You know this is after God has spoken, and and the earth. You know there was the dry land, there was the sea, there was the moon, the stars, and then God gets right down to the business, and God goes and He makes His masterpiece. The Bible says that God created man, and if you'll study that, it literally means that God molded man, His body, Adam's body, out of the dust of the earth, and breathed into man the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. And God went, "Whoo, man." That is a masterpiece. That is a masterpiece. And then so and then God, how many of you know if something has a creator, if if something is created or built, it's designed for a purpose, right? Here's a little side note for you. If you don't know the purpose that something was created or designed to do, it'll make you more prone to abuse the thing that you have. And that's what the problem is with so many people in the world today, people who don't know Jesus, people who are born again, they don't have a, they're not beginning to get a sense of what their purpose is. They don't know what the intended purpose of was by the designer and that, lent, and that makes them predisposed to abuse the life and, abu- and really abuse themselves unknowingly. But Genesis 1.26 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I like to call this the Dominion Commission. The Bible says that God gave man dominion over the earth. That word dominion literally means rule or reign or authority over the earth. See, you've got to understand this. God's original intention was that, that He would create the earth. God is, God is in heaven in an unseen realm, and I've said this before. Just because something is unseen does not mean that it's not real. It just means you can't see it. I remember when I was in college, I had a professor that said, you know, he showed us this picture of the, uh, the spectrum of light. And on one end you had infrared, you had ultraviolet, and then somewhere out in the middle of it you had this little tiny little band that was called visible light. And that little tiny band of visible light was the, the light that the human eye could see and perceive and interpret. But there was all kinds of, there was more light on both sides of that spectrum of light than what was in the spectrum, but only that little sliver do we have the ability to see. And it was really interesting because he, he was a believer. And he said, so that means there could be beings in this room right now standing right over there that are real and they're there taking up space, but you don't have the physiological capability to even perceive that they're there. Wow. See, law, pause and think about that for a moment. But God's original intention was He rules from an unseen realm and He rules on the earth. He created the earth. God's intention was, and this is just putting it in some contemporary language, God wanted to colonize the earth. God wanted to create the earth. He wanted to create man, put man on the earth, to give man dominion on the earth, to rule. This is the thing. How many of you are familiar with, we're all familiar with a, with a manager. Someone, that, there can be a business owner and there can be a manager. And that business owner may own the property, own the restaurant, own the store, whatever, but he hires a manager. Now, you know what? I've got all these other things going. I'm putting you here. I want you to take care of this. You manage it. Man's original intention, God created the earth, put man on it, and said, look, I am making you the manager of this planet. I have given you the dominion over it. I'm telling you to subdue it and to rule on the earth. And this is, you know, and so he gave man that authority to do it. He said, he said, it's yours, Adam. I give you the responsibility. You rule it. You, you had dominion over it. So much so that when Jesus came... Now, you remember this in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus came, his disciples said, teach us how to, pr- teach us how to, pr- to pray. And Jesus said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So in the original intention that God had was I put man on the earth and he's going he's gonna to have dominion and rule on the earth. Now, I know some of you, that might be wrinkling your noodle some, but I've said this before. Are we just brave enough just to believe what the Bible says? Because I'm not going to tell you something and I can't give you the Scripture and give it to you in context and give you at least two or three Scriptures to back up what I'm telling you. Are we brave enough just to believe God's Word for what it says? 
and when it cuts crossways across our religious upbringing and some things you've heard in religion, or you will, you know, I've heard the saying that sacred cows make the best hamburgers. Kill them babies, man. Line them things up. Those sacred cows that you got, if they don't line up with Scripture, man, butcher them things up, throw some steak on the grill, have some burgers, kill them things. Those sacred cows make good hamburgers. Amen? But God said, He said, I give you dominion on the earth. Psalms 24.1. Turn there real quick. And somebody might say, well, you know, you, start, you begin to share this with people, they might go, well, I don't know about that. You know God owns everything. Well, we're not saying that God doesn't own it. We're, we're even, you know, if we, we can agree with you, God owns the earth. Psalms 24.1. Psalm 24:1 says, "The earth is the Lord's and all that it can, all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it." So we're not saying that man owns the earth. God owns the earth. The earth, everything that's on it, it all belongs to God. God looks at Adam and, like I said, He says, "You're to manage it for me. You take care of it." And so if we're talking about how does God say? What was God's original intention? And this is one man. Glory to God. Where do I want to go first? Go to, you're there in Psalms 24. Go to Psalms 8 real quick. Psalms 8. We'll go verses 1 through 4. My goodness. Some of y'all need to think a little more of yourself than what you do. Because I know, the man, the first time I read this, I was like, man, glory to God. Because religion never did tell me this. Church I grew up in, they never did tell me this. That's why you need to read the Bible, right? You need to know what it says, because this is what God this is God telling you, man, this is what you are. Psalms eight. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who hast displayed thy splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of thine adversaries, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? How many of y'all have heard that before? Heard something like, oh, Lord, yeah, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Oh, we're just such worms. We're just such low down. We're just like little uh, you know, sea urchins to you, God. What are we? I mean, that's how people come across. Right? That's how it comes across. But let's uh, read the rest of it. It says... Um, Verse 4 says, What is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Oh, here it is. Are we brave enough to believe what the Bible says? New American Standard Version. Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God. Thou dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over all the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Let's just stop right there. Does that feel, sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? What is man that you are mindful of him? You have now. I know your King James version says you have made him a little lower than the angels. Get your little strong concordance. Look that word angels up, and it's the Greek. It's a, sorry. It's the Hebrew word Elohim. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so God is saying right here, He says, What is man that you're mindful of Him? You have made Him a little lower than God. 
book of Hebrews says the angels are ministering spirits that have been sent forth to minister. And that word minister means help and, to help and serve. The angels have been sent forth to help and serve those who are the heirs of salvation. Who are the heirs of salvation? The church. Now, I've said this before. The person who is lower in rank always ministers to the one who is higher in rank, right? You're, people in the military, they know that. You know, you wait, so you're taking orders from the person that's higher up in the chain of command than what you are. So that should have tipped us off a little bit that the Bible says the angels are sent to minister and serve and wait on you. Amen? But the Bible says that, that God created man. Now, now remember, we talked about over in Genesis that, that God said, I'm giving you dominion, rule, and reign over everything that I have created. And here we see this again in Psalms. The psalmist is talking about you've made man a little lower than God and thou hast crowned him with glory and majesty and you've given him rule over all the works of your hands. God's original intention was, well, let's just put it this way, there are very few people on the face of the planet are living up to the full potential that God originally intended for us to. Amen? But we're on the way to getting there, right? Because we're getting revelation of what God said and who God says you are. You know what? Don't you let what anybody else thinks about you determine how you see yourself. Because when the God that created this universe looks at you and says, I see you as precious and valuable and you are the crowning jewel of my creation. Amen? That's how God sees us. Uh, I want to read this to you. Um, Psalms 8. Um, we're going to read this, uh, read this again uh, to you out of the contemporary English version. Says, uh says, then I ask, this is verse 4, then I ask, why do you care about us humans? Why are you so concerned for us weaklings? You have made us a little lower than yourself and you have crowned us with glory and honor. You let us rule over everything your hands have made and you put it all under our power. Amen. God thinks pretty highly of you. Say, somebody, oh, I'm still skeptical. I can't believe you're saying that, uh, Pastor Brian. Turn to Luke chapter 3. We just might as well just go ahead and just completely smoke your gourd, right? Amen. It's a good thing for God to smoke your melon, right? Let the Word do it. Luke chapter 3. I've said this before. Religion doesn't have a hard, religious people don't have a hard time saying, I'm a child of God. Right? I mean, church, I grew up in that. You're a child of God. You want to see them choke, start telling someone, I'm a son of God. Why? Because they automatically start associating, well, Jesus was the son of God. You saying you... Well, let's just see what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about Adam? Uh, Luke chapter 3, and it goes through the genealogy of Jesus from the man who was assumed to be his earthly father, right, Joseph. It goes all the way from Joseph's lineage all the way back to Adam. And this is one. And if you don't miss it, this is one of those passages of Scripture that you, if you, you got the temptation just to skip over it. Because it's one of those, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech. And it's one of those, you're like, yeah, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. And you just kind of breeze on down to it and say, let me get to the important part. Check this out. Verse, I'm going to start at verse 37. The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I didn't make that up. Read your Bible, Luke three thirty-eight. The Bible says in recording the genealogy of Jesus from Joseph all the way back to Adam, and it goes Adam. It says Seth, the son of Adam, 
Adam, the son of God. God's original intention was that when he created man and he placed him on the earth, Adam was a son of God. He was birthed right out of God's spirit. God, what do you think God breathed into him when he became a, a living soul? He breathed the Holy Spirit into man, and man became the, the offspring, the son of God. So here it is. Man was created a son of God, and it was God's intention that man would exercise authority on the earth. You understand this, that man's authority was carrying out God's will. Remember the prayer, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So that was God's original intention. Man, I have created you. I have placed my spirit in you. I have crowned you with glory and honor. I've created this whole planet. Every resource you need to have a happy and a blessed and a productive life, it's here. All you've got to do is keep my commandments, walk in my, uh, walk in my commandments, do my word, and you're under my authority. Because this is the thing. This is going back to military. And the Bible uses this example. Remember this Roman centurion? When Jesus came, uh, was going to go to the Roman centurion's house to heal his servant that was sick. And the centurion, he was a, he was a, a, a officer over a hundred soldiers. And so he under, and he was military trained, and he understood what authority was. And he told Jesus, he said, Jesus, he said, wait, he said, I am not even worthy that you come under my roof. But only, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed, because I also am a man under authority. Which means that he recognized Jesus was a man under authority, because he said, I also. He didn't say I am. He said, I also am. He recognized Jesus was a man under authority. And he said, for I say to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. I say to another servant, come here, and he does. He said, and if you just speak the word. Why? Because Jesus said, I only do that which my Father tells me to do. I only speak what my Father speaks me to, for me to do. Anything other than that, what do they call that? Insubordination, right? But Jesus was a man under authority. So God's telling Adam back in the beginning, look, You've got authority, but it's only as long as you stay submitted under my authority on the earth. I've crowned you with glory. I've made you a little lower than myself. You are the, you are the same class of being because God created us in his likeness and in his image. Boy, is, is that not a... Does this shock anybody else? That do you understand what the Bible says about what God thinks about you is the exact antithesis that's one of those $50 words. Anything. It is the exact, it is the furthest thing that you could imagine from what evolution says. You need some proof that the theory of evolution, which is, this, this is what gets me, and I always ask my professors in college, and they're like, ah, shut up, Atkins. I'm like, okay, they teach us about scientific theory. Theory means it's unproven. And I'd ask that question. I'd say, How come, okay, we're teaching the, the theory of evolution like it's the, the law of evolution. And theory, doesn't, doesn't theory mean it's unproven? Shut up, Agnes. Okay, I'm just asking. Just wondering. Just want to make sure I understood right. But isn't it something that, just to let you know, that evolution is, a, is one of the biggest lies that Satan's ever told. Because think about it, he's trying to steal your identity. Trying to steal your identity. Instead of saying... You were a, 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 a spirit being because you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. This stuff right here is just a container. God put the real you in your spirit in. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. You live in a body. And God said, I created you in my image, in my likeness. I crowned you with glory and honor. I gave you authority on the earth. And you are next to me. You are the most spectacular being that's ever graced the universe. And evolution says, you know, you're some little... You know, a couple billion years ago, we were some little 
something slithering through the ocean through the primordial ooze that got hacked up on the beach and decided to grow legs and a tail and all this stuff. And through millions and billions of years of, of cosmic, uh, you know, the, the astronomical odds of all these cosmic mutations, and here we are. That's, man, that's just ignorance gone to seed, ain't it? I mean, that's just, that's just no, that's just stupid. It, remember, ignorance means you don't know better, so that's just stupid. But it's the, one of the biggest lies, because, and the tactic of the enemy has not changed. Here it is, Garden of Eden. He comes, he tempts Eve. says, oh, you know, did God really say? He questions God's integrity, trying to get Eve to doubt God's integrity. See, the devil doesn't have any new tricks in his bag. He still tries to trick people and deceive people the same way. And this is just another little nugget for you. It, you see, Adam had something that Satan wanted. He had authority and dominion on the earth. Now, let me ask you something. If you're strong enough to take something from somebody, I got two boys, right? I got a five-year-old and I got a two-year-old. For the time being, Clay, the five-year-old, is stronger than Jared, the two-year-old. We tell Clay, give him about two and a half more years and he'll be whooping you because Jared is a completely different build than what Clay is. Clay is slim and lanky and Jared is... Right? If Clay, if Jared has something that Clay wants, does Clay got to go over and trick him into giving it to him? No, Clay just walks over and gives him it. And, you know, if Jared holds on, boom, he'll yank him down on his face and he'll get it. Well, what's your point, Pastor Brian? My point is, is the devil wants to try to convince people he's this big, bad, I'm the big, bad devil. I'm going to mess you up. You better run, hide you. Ooh, you better be scared of me. Well, if that was the case then how come in the garden he had to trick Adam? See, here it is. Here's that political science degree coming out. Machiavellian political theory. Sometimes you're the fox. Sometimes you're the lion. You're the lion when you can be. You're the fox when you got to be. Now, that's not Scripture and that's not godly. I'm just telling you what an ungodly... What an ungodly... Uh, political scientist came up with years ago, Giovanni Machiavelli, Machiavelli. So this is what Satan did. Satan came in, he realized, hmm, I can't be the lion and take his because this guy's got the authority. God gave it to him. I got to trick this guy. Because if I just cut, if I just bow up on him, I'm, mm, I'm going to take your authority. Adam's going to go, mm-mm, I'm the boss of this place. God gave me the authority over it. So he has to begin to trick him. Has to try to get him to doubt God's integrity. That's how, that's how Satan will still attack you today. You're going you're gonna to get a hold of something in God's Word and believe God when God, you're going to read a promise that God made in the Bible that's to you and to every one of us as believers. And maybe because it's slow in coming or you don't see it happening immediately, there's the temptation to go, well, you know, maybe, I know the Word says that, but maybe it just ain't going to happen. What? Satan's got that little temptation out there to get you to question God's integrity. Oh, did God really say? Huh? And then this is another thing. Here it is. This is where the identity theft took place. Satan says, Oh, God knows that the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like gods, knowing good from evil. Stupid devil. They were already like God. Isn't that what the Bible says? God said, Let us create man in our likeness in our image, in other words, in our character, and to resemble us? Huh? Did they not already know good from evil? Good is do what God said. Evil's 
to break the break God's commandment, right? So here it is. This is the grand ripoff. This is where the fall of man takes place. Satan comes in and he tricks Adam and Eve into allowing him to steal their identity. And their identity was they were already like God. Oh, you'll be like God, making them doubt that they already were. And so he perpetrated the greatest case and the first case of identity theft that ever happened. Adam sinned against God. You understand this? The Bible says Adam sinned by disobeying God's commandment and he surrendered his authority to Satan because this is real important. Luke chapter 4, you can write this down, you can go back and look at this. Luke chapter 4, verse 6, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, remember one of the temptations that Satan said was, he said, look, he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all the governments of the world. He said, look, if you just bow down and worship me, he said, I'll give it to you. He said, because all this, I can give it to whoever I want to because all this authority has been delivered to me is what most translations say. That word delivered literally means surrendered to me. The Bible also says over, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians, it says that Satan is the God of this world. That's with a little g, God with a little g. He's the deity of this world, of this world system. Well, this is the thing. Now, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, so sometimes you've got to think a little bit, right? You've got to reason some things. We know that God, in the beginning, God gave Adam the dominion and the authority on the earth, not the devil. So if Adam had it, and now Satan was telling Jesus and was tempting Jesus with, I've got the authority, how did he get it? It was when Adam disobeyed God, he surrendered the authority that God gave him. I'll give you a word on it. Scripture says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, whoever you obey, you become their slave. Huh? That's real, that's real good advice for married men, ain't it? Hallelujah, <laughs> I'm joking. Whoever you obey, you make yourself their slave. So Adam, God said, don't eat it. The devil said, oh, you eat it. It'll make you like God. You don't know who what your identity is. Adam decided he was going to obey what the devil told him, and when he obeyed what the devil told him to do, he obeyed him and he became his slave, and the authority that God gave Adam, Adam surrendered that authority to Satan and perpetrated the greatest, the first and the greatest uh, case of identity theft that's ever been perpetrated. Okay, now, working back to what did Jesus come to do? Amen? The Bible says, now you understand this, that your identity, and there were three things. I'm going to say this, we're going to wrap this, wrap this up. There were three broad categories of things that Adam lost when, when man fell. And you understand, when man fell, man fell from dominion on the earth. Three broad categories, and this is what we're going to spend the next five, at least the next five weeks looking at and discussing. The first thing that man lost was relationship with God where Adam was created, and the Bible says that he was the son of God. And you can find this in Genesis. It says that God created man in his likeness and in his image. And then after the fall, it says that Adam had sons after his likeness and image, not God's. And Adam's image was the image of fallen man at that point. So Adam lost relationship. And there's a lot of stuff that went with that relationship. Adam also lost benefits and blessings. Amen? 
And the third thing that Adam lost was his purpose. And remember what I said earlier, if you don't know the purpose that something was created for or designed for, it lends to the abuse of that thing. And so when Adam sinned, and sin entered the world, the Bible says that through one man, sin entered the world, and through sin, death, and that was spiritual death, where man lost his relationship with God, he lost the blessings and the benefits, and you'll remember this, what's blessings and, what is benefit and favor? Another word of, grace. Grace means benefit and favor. That's why the Bible, the New Testament is all talking about the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God, God's benefit and favor, God's benefit and favor. Jesus came to restore relationship. He, became, he came back to restore benefit, blessings, and favor of the availability of that to man. And he came uh, to restore mankind's purpose. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks to come. It's going to be good. You're going to be so jacked up because you're going to know, man, God thinks an awful lot of me. And I'm going to find out, man, how Jesus got my relationship back, what the benefit, blessing, and the, and the favor that's available to me because of that. And praise God, you're going to get a general revelation what your purpose is on the earth. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord God, we thank you.